Welcome to Virtual Student Experiences, where we inspire students to aspire. For more information, please check out our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second BSc bilingual webinar. Today's session will be conducted in both English and Japanese, and we will focus on global executive management and finance. If you guys are new to our program, Virtual Student Experiences is a pro bono initiative spearheaded for students by students. And we at Virtual Student Experiences want to be the inspiration for aspiration. Our goal is to give students around the world an opportunity to hear from professionals in their career industry of interest in a friendly and casual setting. And if you're a student that knows what you want to do in the future, we at VSC want to encourage, allow, and connect with professionals. Through BSC, students are given the chance to decide if their career choice fits the personality, skills, and overall interests. To find out more information and to sign up to be notified about other webinars, you guys can visit our website at www.virtualstudentexperiences.com. But before we get started, I just want to let you all know how this is going to work. Firstly, I'm going to be asking our guest professional, who I'll introduce in a second, a series of base knowledge questions so that you can get a good idea of who he is and what he does. And after that, I will be asking our guest, our guest a few questions in English, which will be followed by my co-moderator, Azusa, asking some questions in Japanese. At the end of the webinar, there will be a time allotted for student Q&A. To change the audio source of this webinar from English to Japanese or Japanese to English, you can click on the interpreter feature at the bottom of your screen. It should look like a globe. If at any time you think of a question, please feel free to post it in the Q&A module and we will get to it in the later part of the webinar. We highly recommend that you guys ask questions from this webinar because it is the opportunity to get an answer right here, right now, instead of reading about it later on the internet. And just real quickly, introducing our VSC core team of volunteers, we have Beckett, Gabby, Jonathan, Coco, Tommy, and Audrey. Without further ado, our very special guest today is Mr. Paul K. Unamine. Mr. Unamine is the chairman and CEO of Central Pacific Financial Corporation, which is the parent company of Central Pacific Bank, where he serves as executive chairman. Prior to joining Central Pacific Financial Corp, Mr. Unamine was executive chairman of GCA Corporation Japan the largest independent M&A advisory investment bank listed on the Tokyo Stock Exchange. Mr. Yunamine served as president and country general manager of IBM Japan Limited. Previously, Mr. Yunamine served as president and CEO of Hitachi Consulting Company Limited, where he founded the first consulting and solutions business for Hitachi Limited. Mr. Yunamine also served as executive vice president and chairman of Bearing Point Asia Pacific, President of KPMG Consulting in Japan, and Managing Director of the Hawaii Operations of KPMG LLC. Mr. Unamini serves on the Board of, of Directors at Sumimoto Mitsui Banking Corporation of Japan. He is the Chair Elect of Board of Directors of the US Japan Council, having formerly served as its Chair of Board of Counselors, and is also on the Board of Directors for the Pacific International Center for High Technology Research. Mr. Yunamine is a graduate of the University of San Francisco and holds a CPA designation. We are very, very honored to have us here with have you here with us here today, Mr. Yunamine. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. And you know, once again, uh, buddy, congratulations to you and everyone at VSC for uh, you know putting something like this together. Yes, thank you very much. We appreciate it. And just to start, can you tell us about what global executive management and finance is to you and really how you got into that field? Sure. You know, and I, and I know I'm speaking to, you know, many high school students today. And, you know, and so let me, you know, start by talking a little bit about something maybe all of you can relate to. Uh, you know, through high school, um, I wanted to be actually a professional baseball player. You know, that was one of my real aspirations. My father 
was the first American to play uh, professional baseball in Japan after the war. And he played for the Tokyo Giants. And, uh, and so from a very early age, I, had, I felt a lot of pressure to play baseball, but uh, unfortunately I didn't quite have his genes or his talents. And so uh, as I went into college, I played ball, but I, I quit after my second year. And uh, I was back in Japan for one summer and I was teaching English at, a, at an accounting firm. And, uh, and that was one of the triggers for me to change my major to accounting when I returned to the University of San Francisco. And I joined KPMG initially as an auditor, uh, a CPA. Uh, I spoke Japanese because I grew up in Japan. And so uh, a lot of um, my bosses had me uh, help Japanese companies in the mainland US with a lot of their consulting needs. Um, and from there, uh, you know, a series of different companies. I was involved in IT systems, integration work, investment banking, and now I'm in banking. Mm -hmm. And uh, so many different areas. Uh, but there is some commonality. And the commonality is that all of these uh, jobs that I had involved being in service. I like to help people and help organizations. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's part of me that when I see an opportunity to fulfill a need and I have the skills, um, you know, I, I get a very, a lot of gratifying uh, feelings for doing that. And finance is something so important to everyone. Everyone has money issues. And, uh, and I was always good at finance. So, that's what led me into the financial services industry. Uh, further, I was always um, very fortunate that I led uh, teams and organizations well. So I've been in executive management positions. That's really great. That's a really awesome story. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Sure. Like focusing in on your education when you were in college, um, looking back, can you tell us maybe what some of your most important takeaways were from that time? Sure. You know, let, let me start again with high school, though. Uh, I went to uh, high school in Tokyo uh, called St. Mary's International School. It was an international French-Canadian school. Uh, there were um, students from 70 different countries. And uh, naturally, we took all the same classes that probably all of you are taking. Uh, but I was really fortunate growing up in that environment uh, because, you know, I, I had some really valuable lessons about people, that people are different. They have, they not only speak different languages, but, you know, they have different cultures, you know, where they grow up. And to this day, I think more than any class or course that I took, that uh, I learned uh, that we may not all be you know, the same, but, you know, through communication, I can get a better understanding of all of my fellow students. And, and I went through that education. That was extremely helpful for me. Now, in college, um, I have to admit, I, I studied a lot, you know, because I was um, naturally interested in what I'm going to do after college. And, uh, and I took a number of courses, obviously in accounting, but you know, when I think back today, what I learned the most in college was the ability to learn. I had the capacity to learn and, uh, and I got much better at that. So, you know, I'm, I'm much older than all of you. I'm 63. Three years ago at the age of 60, when I joined that investment bank, uh, I passed the securities exam. I actually studied for 10 days solid, almost all night. And, uh, and, it, and it was very surprising to me that I still had that capacity to learn. And I think sometimes uh, high school or college, more than the classes that you take, because once you start working, you're gonna learn things on the job. But one thing you learn in school is the ability to learn. And I think that's a really important takeaway. Awesome, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of um, classes that students should take or clubs that they should join um, either in high school or college. Do you have any suggestions as to um, what they should do for that? 
Well, you know, it's it's very clear right now. I mean, if you look at the um, you know United States or even in Japan, um, you know, area of technology is still you know in as much as you know we see these huge technology companies doing extremely well. Uh, I think there's still so much more in store for the usage of IT and technology, the areas of artificial intelligence, uh, big data, a number of areas. And, and gradually what's going to happen is technology and business, technology and everyday living is going to integrate even more. Uh, so not, not to say just study technology, but that should definitely be an area of focus. I think in every facet of life, every facet of business, there will be technology that will allow us to become a lot more efficient and effective. So th that would be one area that uh, all of you should um, uh, hone in on. But again, you know, I think the most important thing is, is to learn uh, how to learn, you know, to have that uh, capacity and ability to learn. And, uh, and that, that's going to take you, you know, in the next several decades as you go into your work career. And that's an interesting point. Um, I guess, how should students start to develop that ability to learn if they don't feel that they're getting it from school? You know, because some, some students may feel that um, school is so pointless and useless, but you're saying that it not only teaches them um, knowledge, but it gives them the ability to go out and learn. Is there any other ways that you think students could start to develop that skill? I think, you know, at the end of the day, I, I mean, you know, you can't expect teachers and professors, uh, you know, to, to actually have that impact to, you know, uh, heighten your, your willingness and interest in learning. I mean, you have to be a self-starter. Um, and, you know, sometimes I, I have three children, you know, and I, I used to always tell my three children, um, you know, find what you're passionate about, find what you're interesting, you know, interested in and uh, get, you know, get passionate about it, learn about it. And, you know, you, you'll never know, right, uh, how it leads to a, a lifelong career or not. Uh, but I think the most important thing is that you have to be true to your own self and pursue areas that, that interest you. And in the process, you'll learn how to learn. You know, you'll learn how to uh, thrive in that environment and, and things could change, you know, in two years and three years. And you're at the age where you could do that. You can make mistakes and, and you can make a comeback. You know, many of us have and, uh, and you could just reset, you know, your course of action. Right? Awesome. And then I guess focusing in on your, in your career, can you tell us about your job as the country manager, country general manager for and president of IBM Japan? And like, what were your responsibilities and really what did you learn from that position? Ah, okay. Well, you know, when I first went to uh, Japan for business, and that was in the late 90s, and I went there with KPMG Consulting, and it was myself and my secretary. And that's how we started the business. I started it from zero. And, uh, and we built it into a business with about 3,600 consultants throughout Asia Pacific. Um, but always during that time, I used to always look at IBM because IBM was the standard. IBM was the most successful IT firm in Japan. And, uh, and so when IBM called me uh, in 2010 and asked me to join them, uh, I, you know, I very happily went for my interview and decided to join them. Uh, so I became one of the first presidents of IBM Japan uh, as a uh, mid-level hire, someone that they hired uh, from outside of the company. Uh, IBM Japan uh, alone uh, does $9 billion of business per year uh, with 23,000 employees. Um, IBM uh, provides information technology services to uh, its market share just in the bank uh, banking area was about 40%, 50% in the insurance industry. So, so IBM was very much in the fabric of, the, of Japan and the Japanese economy. Um, you know, another, another good uh, piece of information is all the ATMs at Lawson and Family Marts, those are all IBM Japan's ATMs. And uh, 
And naturally, if uh, more than 200 ATMs were to shut down, as the president, I had to go to the financial supervisory agency and apologize, right? So I remember some of those experiences as well. But the, but the most important thing as being as president of such a large organization was the responsibility that came with it. The responsibility to all my customers who rely on IBM technology to work every day. Um, the responsibility to all of my employees, 23,000 employees just in Japan, right? And the responsibility to their families, the families who uh, rely on those employees to, you know, be successful at work and, and bring money home so they can have a good standard of, of living. So needless to say, it was an extremely demanding job. And, uh, and so what I had to learn a lot was about planning, uh, about being organized, uh, but more importantly, learning how to get things done, to execute, uh, execute on things. You know, you can't just plan and organize. You have to, you know, create results, especially in the corporate area. So, you know, I think some of the real takeaways for me at a very high level, uh, I learned uh, how to execute how to get things done. I mean, to, to kind of put it in the simplistic, um, uh, you know, uh, in, in the simplistic words. Um, now, while I was at IBM, uh, I introduced artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning technology in Japan. We ran the first, um, uh, you know, efforts of innovation at the University of Tokyo, uh, University of Kyoto, you know, especially around healthcare. Uh, we introduced AI in many banks uh, to automate the call center uh, customer experience, for example. And these were things, you know, these are all new technologies that I got to learn a lot from as well. That's really great. Um, I guess, can you tell us about one of your more recent positions right now as the chairman and CEO of Central Pacific Corporation and executive chairman of Central Pacific Bank? Like, what are your responsibilities now and what does a regular day look like for you and right now? And how does that contrast to what it looked like before the coronavirus pandemic? Sure. So, you know, the, the bank that I lead today, Central Pacific Bank, is 65 years old. It was created by Nisei war veterans that came back to Hawaii after the war. And uh, a lot of the, um, uh, the Nisei uh, uh, groups could not get bank loans at the time. They couldn't get a loan to buy a house, to start a business. And so a number of Nisei war veterans led by Senator Daniel Inoue, uh, who passed on you know, quite a few years ago, uh, he led an effort to start Central Pacific Bank. And they received a lot of uh, support uh, from the Sumitomo uh, Bank, which today and it's very coincidental that I'm also a board member of the Sumitomo Mitsui Banking Corporation today. Um, but that's, those are the roots. That's how it started. And so I was uh, very interested in the overall concept, the legacy, the mission of the, of the financial institution. So when they asked me uh, to be the CEO, it, it was a real honor you know, for me. Uh, Central Pacific Bank has a thousand employees. We have 31 branches in the state of Hawaii. We have over a hundred thousand uh, customers. Um, we are a publicly traded uh, organization on the New York Stock Exchange. And so every quarter, I have to make sure that I take care of my shareholders. We have to be profitable, we have to grow, and there is constant um, you know, pressure and an effort to make sure that we have good quarterly earnings. Um, but while we do that, um, you know, we also make sure that we do our part to give back to the community and which we do quite a bit. We uh, contribute a lot of money. We, we do a lot of initiatives uh, within the state of Hawaii, especially now with COVID, uh, you know, to help the community. So it's been a very, um, you know, uh, uh, grateful and, uh, a meaningful position for me. Um, uh, what does a regular day look like for me? My goodness, okay, let's see. Um, I, I wake up at 6 a.m. I, um, I drink a cup of coffee and I start reading my emails because I usually get a lot of emails from Japan. 
Um, I leave home by seven and I generally start work by 7.20, you know, and, uh, and I'm a real firm believer in consistency and I, you know, uh, very seldom get off of that, um, off of that timing. Uh, I, uh, during the day, I have a lot of meetings with uh, my leadership team, um, you know, my, my executive vice president who runs our branches or runs our mortgage business. Uh, I always make sure I meet with a lot of customers. And today with COVID, that's a lot of phone calls, Zoom calls, Microsoft team calls. Um, my goodness, I've never been on so many video conferences in my life, you know, and and uh, talking to all of you on this uh, Zoom call is, uh, you know, something I only started since COVID hit, right? Um, you know, up until uh, the coronavirus hit, usually lunches and dinners were always with customers. And I, I never viewed that as work, it was fun. Uh, you know, I generally like my customers. I like to spend time with them. Uh, I also spend a lot of time with nonprofit organizations. I chair the US Japan Council. Um, uh, you know, in the past before COVID, I usually get home around eight o'clock or so, but now, nowadays, I get home at six o'clock, and uh, and I I have dinner with my wife almost every night, and uh, and you know she's been very surprised because you know all these years working in Japan and working in Hawaii, I you know used to go out to dinner quite a bit, but you know it, it's been very enjoyable, you know, spending time with my wife and being at home, and and it's a good reminder that you know you could be a success in business, but you have to have balance have to have, you know, quality time with, you know, with your family as well. And, you know, these are a few things that I'm being able to revisit, uh, you know, mainly because of, uh, you know, the virus actually. And so, you know, this is part of the silver lining, even with all of these challenges we have today. And then I go to, I go to sleep by 11 o'clock. <laughs> awesome. That's really great. And then, um, I mean, just thank you so much for your really, really thoughtful answers and at this time, I'm going to pass it up to my co-moderator, Zusa, to ask you some questions in Japanese. Um, and for students, feel free to select which audio you guys prefer to hear uh, using that interpreter module at the bottom. And then just a reminder, uh, feel free to ask questions using, using that Q&A module at the bottom, and we'll get to it at the end of the webinar. So I'll pass it off to Azusa. Hi, uh, oh, buddy, thank you very much. And from now on, we would like to conduct the interview in uh, Japanese. The first question will be the skills that you use the most. Well, uh, first of all, um, um, let me tell you, um, it's been uh, four years since I came back to the United States from Japan. And uh, well, I still have business with Japan, but um, I speak in English all the time. So uh, my Japanese is, is getting a little bit rusty, um, but I'm still you know, I have a little bit influence from uh, American English. But um, um, please forgive me if I miss something or um, I just uh, mess up with something. Well, I did uh, expl explain in English just a little while ago, but um, I'm the uh, chairman and the CEO of Central Pacific Bank and also uh, Tomo uh, Bank. Um, I'm the director um, as well. And uh, there's another one, uh, US Japan Council. I'm the uh, chair as well. So I have a lot of um, things to do on my plate, um, things on my plate, and then my schedule is full. Um, it's so to, full to the max, almost the time. And I'm just, uh, just going from place you know, the, from uh, meeting to meeting. After I, I graduated from college, it's been 40 years already. And um, I try to schedule things and um, just uh, plan things and then execute things. And then that's what I've been doing for all these years. So you asked me about the skills that I use. Um, I think uh, planability, how to plan things is very important, I think. Organization. And that type of skill is um, essential. It's ne completely necessary. And aside from that, um, the 
three skills, if I can uh, uh, point out. Maybe the second one, um, especially uh, the CEO of the bank, um, I have to uh, the needs of the um, the needs of the the uh, decision making as top leader of the bank, um, standing um, supporting all the employees. Sometimes I may risk, or it's difficult to take the risk. It's um, you know sometimes. We're slow in decision making, but um, we need to make the decisions with um, incurring some risks. So, um, I think what the um, employees are re really requesting for me to um, to have is the strong decision making skills. And um, uh, if once make a decision, you don't know. You know, sometimes you, you may have to go through something. They maybe have a trap, and then all that. But um, um, you have to just uh, go with it. So, I think the second. Um, skills will be skill will be the decision making skills and lastly if you, even if you make a decision but you have to put into action you have to execute it so you have to just do it you have to execute it and if you make a good plan if you do not you know there's some organizations who which do not put into practice and um, i can see you know um, some uh, organizations are like that and um, all these years um, at the, the IBM or Hitachi, and I was a doer. Um, I, this, I would say, let's get it done and then do it. Do really do it. So I have uh, been experiencing this so many years for so many places. So um, doing it, actually putting into practice, putting into action is another um, skill. I'm not sure if I uh, answer your question correctly, but okay. Um, then uh, what, which, what type of um, skill would you recommend to the students who are, who are listening to this? Well, I would say, um, yeah, well, uh, organization skills um, uh, and also uh, just doing it and then decision-making. I think, you know, the students are actually doing it every day in their school life. So I would say, you know, maybe I can I recommend other skills. Um, I think uh, Buddy just said a little while ago, um, IT, you know, um, or technology, information technology type of skills, or um, apl application, or AI, artificial, artificial intelligence, or working with big data, or um, that other type of technology that you can um, use is very hand handy, and um, I think it, it'll take a lot more um, opportunity and, and uh, spaces in the future. So I think. Um, It'll be very useful for you in the for huge feature. Um, and um, if you once you get the skills, you have to always update it. So I, I think um, I would just recommend that. And another thing uh, will be communication, communication skills, people skills. Uh, for example, we have this Zoom call and then everyone's uh, listening to me. And then you can ask questions to me over the, um, the, the internet. I think this is a great um, opportunity and uh, we would like to um, participate more. And I would like to recommend that, um, that you participate this type of um, uh, events and um, um, calls a lot more so that you can increase your skills. And another question uh, for me is, I would like to ask about the uh, mentors. Mentors, okay. Hmm. It's more like uh, uh, the seniors, your senior students or um, senior um, employees. I, Actually, I have several mentors of my own. And uh, a person who I mostly, I mean, the most frequently uh, talk to is the person, is the the one, uh, my, my former boss, uh, Mr. Takenaka, um, who, who was my first boss. And it was, he was a scary one. Um, and um, I um, had made a phone call with him like just last week. Um, maybe just once every two, three months, I just uh, having contact with him and just chat with him. And I do, we do talk. Well, he's quite old too. And he's, um, I think he's about 85 years old or 82 years old or something like that. And, but he's still um, at the front line of all this business that he has. 
And um, every time I talk to him on the phone, and um, he always preaches at me. Um, at this point, you know, at this age, it's it's kind of rare that uh, somebody's can you know is uh, been preaching at me or it's like, well, you're still young, and then you you gotta um, do this way or you know like uh, he yeah he, he give me a lecture he gives me a lecture sometimes, and about uh, ten years ago that what he made a phone call to me and then he uh, gave me a lecture again that was at the time we were on face to face and then. I kind of made this uh, sour face and then he got mad, so mad and he started to like, he started yelling at me. And then he said, hey, Yonamine. He said, well, you are quite successful in uh, Japan IBM, but um, you know, I'm your senior. And then you gotta listen and be, be humble to listen to your senior, okay? He said. And then no matter uh, what it is, if it's whether that is correct or not, but you have to wait and listen until I'm done, he said. And then if you want to apply this or use this, it's up to you. But at least you have to um, show respect and be respectful and just listen, um, not, you know, just don't make faces, he said. And what he said is that, um, no matter how successful you are, you still need the humbleness. You have to be humble. And that type of advice is not really given to me anymore, only the mentors and only the seniors who can talk to me like that. So I'm thankful. I am at the top position of a bank, a big bank. And then I, you know, if I'm too high and, um, and then the, the employees cannot speak to me, frankly, that's actually my concern. And I don't wanna be like that. So um, I really appreciate someone like Mr. Takenaki, Mr. Takenaki, who can really candidly talk to me and then sometimes lecture me even. And I'm really, really thankful for those people around me. So in your career, Mr. Yonamine, uh, what type of um, uh, impact um, did you receive from your mentors? Well, because it's business and for example, um, you know, we have this coronavirus pandemic. I, this is the, some, you know, it's something that I have never experienced. And you, now you face this issue or face this challenge and you have to overcome that. And for your, for yourself and for your company, for your employees, and then how you to run the company, how to run the bank, and then what kind of advices I can give my, to my employees. And we always wonder, you know, like we are in deeply thoughts and then sometimes like to be shown the way. And then, and I really appreciate my mentors, you know, who I can talk to, uh, who can be honest to. And uh, that's how I, that's what I really appreciate. And um, how can the students find good mentors then? Ah, uh, well, it's, I don't think it's easy, but, um, but generally speaking, um, the young people, you know, uh, when you, they associate with seniors or the, the mentors, you know, teachers, it's it's um, I, I it's kind of hard for you to to ask those um, to become their mentors, you know. Um, actually, you don't want to listen to anybody at the at that point sometimes. But at the same time, um, a person like me, you know, I am over 60 years old, but they would, you know, we would like to give advices to younger people with less experience. It's not like something that we don't want to do. So if you can initiate, maybe um, ask for help. And if you think that, oh, this person may, can, uh, may uh, or can give me good advice or don't afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. And, and then, um, it, you know, if there's a contact information, you can just call them or contact them. And I said, you know, uh, uh, there's something I would like to talk to you about. Uh, would you please help me? And then um, we, you know, the seniors like to help, I think, in the younger people. So please take an action. I think you just, just ask, I think. Okay. So 
the next question, um, you have a lot of employees and then you are successful um, internationally. And um, uh, would you like to give your advice then as a senior um, to the, the students who are going to be like you? Mm, well, thank well, thank you. You know that called me. You called me the leader, but but um, I graduated from college or even from high school, and I was in the baseball club, and then graduated from college, started working, and and it's you know it's I just been like this, but I didn't really have an aspiration of becoming a leader. Um, I wanted to get things done and just wanted to follow through and do things, do well. So I took a lot of um, uh, action. And then I think you need passion to get this done, get things done. And, and then naturally your leadership skill will emerge. It's not like you want to become a leader, just, become to, just to become a leader, you see? So... Um, sometimes my employees tell me that, um, uh, you know, you say, Mr. Yon, I mean, you're a good leader. You know, they tell me and appreciate it. It's not that I wanted to become a, a leader and I became a leader. I had passions on things. And then um, I had my conviction to, um, to follow through and then get things done um, and be successful. I think it made me a leader. Uh, naturally in that way. So I would just want to say that, you know, just have passion for things and then try, try to look for something that you can have a passion for and then just execute it, you know, to find something that you can have a passion with and, is, and execute it and do it. And then, um, then people will start looking up to you as a leader, I think. Okay, oh, well, the last question. Um, um, any inspiration that you would like to um, to give you, I mean, give the students or anything? No, 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 no. I um, I um, spoke so much, <laughs> so maybe no need. But um, um, I really uh, like this type of um, event, both Japanese and the English. Um, and we exchange um, opinions, or you know, we have we, we ask questions, and then over over Zoom, um, over the the boundary of um, uh, the the you know the, uh, the the countries, and then the language, and then this is something that I never ever had imagined when I was in high school. So this is quite new and, and refreshing. Um, I would like to, you know, we would like to do this more. I hope that we can do this more, and then just um, utilize the power of technology. And um, enhance communication uh, in, in with the U.S. and Japan, and so that it'll uh, eventually increase the strength the strengthening of um, the relationship with Japan and and, and the U.S. So um, I would totally encourage you guys to do this more often and more um, frequently. Okay. Well, thank you very much for answering all these questions, Mr. Yonamine. Um, this the uh, we'll uh, give give this back to Buddy. Thank you again, Thanks. Mr. Namine. Okay, so this concludes the Japanese portion of the interview, and I will now pass it on to Buddy for the Q and A portion. Alrighty, yeah. Once again, just thank you so much, Mr. Namine, for answering questions here at BSC. Um, and now we're going to switch over to the student Q and A. So for students, once again, if you guys have any questions, feel free to ask it in the Q and A module and we will go through it. I see we have a couple in the CUNY module right now. Um, first of which is, what do you see as the biggest differences in doing business in the USA and Japan? Oh, wow. You know, that's, you know, and again, I, as I mentioned, uh, it's culturally very different, you know, and yet, yet we're all human beings and we want the same thing, but, um, but you know some of the some of the reasons why uh, many American businesses that go to Japan um, uh, struggle at times, um, you know, doing business in Japan, is that you know many of the uh, executives come to Japan without a thorough understanding of the Japanese culture. Right? I mean, there are instances though um, where um, 
you know, it hasn't been that difficult. You know, for example, uh, Amazon is very successful in Japan. Okay, and uh, and for the most part, uh, their whole website, the whole customer experience of how you shop online, um, is not that different from the United States. Uh, however, um, you know, even Amazon uh, was very fortunate in having a very effective CEO in Japan called Jasper Chung, who um, uh, is Chinese, um, speaks Japanese fluently was with Procter and Gamble for a long time and understands Japanese quality, right? And so, so although it was an American uh, technology platform, uh, Amazon was able to hire the right people to provide the proper quality and the customer experience uh, to the Japanese public. And that's why they're very successful in Japan. So, uh, so I guess what I'm saying is that, and, and there are many instances of Japanese companies going to the United States and being successful as well. But I think it's extremely important to find the strengths that we have in each country, but to always understand how it needs to be culturally adapted uh, you know, in the respective markets. At the end, end of the day, you know, the customer is king and you know, we have to make sure that our offerings are uh, offered in that way. So that, that's a short answer. I, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, you know, but uh, I'd like to stop there because um, otherwise this could be a long dialogue. <laughs> so and then uh, just next question, what small things have you done that helped you gain opportunities and advantages? And what are some things that students can do at this time? You know, I think, um, uh, relationships. I, I think there's two things that come to mind the most. One is relationships. I always um, try to uh, spend the time and value uh, the interactions I have with people. I don't care if they're a CEO or they're, you know, uh, you know, working behind the counter at McDonald's. We have to, you know, be able to provide the same level of respect to people. When you're talking to someone, that person is the most important person at that time, you know, and, and you have to, you know, treat people that way. And it's interesting, it always comes back, you know, it always has come back to me. When I started at KPMG in Los Angeles, when I was 21 years old, I took care of these very young Japanese businessmen in Tokyo. They couldn't, they didn't know how to rent an apartment. They didn't know how to buy a car. And that had nothing to do with my accounting work, but I, you know, I, I liked helping them and I helped them. Then in the late nineties, when I went to Japan and I, and to start KPMG consulting, those people that were, you know, just beginners in the companies, there were very senior managers, you know, at the Japanese companies. And they remembered me and they helped me, they gave me a lot of business. So you just never know, you know, I think it's a great practice to always treat people with respect and, and place value on the relationships. That's number one. Number two is integrity. If there's one thing that I pride myself, not just at this bank or any job that I've ever been, I, I don't, I don't, I hope, and I'm pretty sure that there aren't people who will say, I can't trust Paul Yonamine. You know, sometimes I can't do everything. I, I will let them know when I can't do something. But I will never, I, I, I firmly believe that you have to be honest and truthful, right? And if you can't do that, you shouldn't say anything, right? Uh, but I think integrity uh, is so important. Integrity is your brand, your personal brand. It is what, who you are. Okay. And it's not just about business. It's about having that integrity and being successful in life. So those are the two things that I, I would point out to all of you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, um, that's really, really inspiring. Um, and I'm sure that student got a really good answer. And then just next question. I'm sure that there were times that when you were unsure of what you wanted to do, similar to what you mentioned in when you transitioned from baseball to accounting in college, what were some of the first actions working out of it? And what mindset came out of that experience as a whole? Yeah. Well, you know, what, 
you know, as I told you, my father was a very successful baseball player. He was actually, he's a Hall of Famer in Japan. Uh, to this day, he still holds many records with the Tokyo Giants, right? So naturally, everyone expected me to be a fantastic baseball player, and I wasn't, you know. And so my second year of college, when I gave up baseball, it was a really sad moment for me. But, and I, I did, um, it set me back. I grieved about it for quite a while. But, you know, life's just too short, you know, to just think negatively. And uh, I was very fortunate, you know, I had good senpais, good manners at the time. And they told me, hey, Paul, you know, find something else you can sink your teeth in, you know. And, and you know, it's not as if I loved accounting from day one, you know, but, uh, but I, I gave it a shot. I said, okay, I'm going to try this thing. You know, let's see where it goes. And, uh, and I was really good at it. You know, I, um, and I had no idea, but I was very fortunate. I was very good at it. And by the way, my, my daughter is at Deloitte today and doing a very good job as well. And uh, so, you know, sometimes you give up, you have to give up, you know, one dream. Uh, but life throws you many other chances, you know, and you got to be open to it. And, uh, and when you get that next chance, you have to grab it, you know, by the horns and make the best you can out of it. Because life is too short to think so negatively. You know, you got to be, got to be an optimist and think positively. And, and, uh, and that was a, that was a very difficult switchover for me, you know, and I still remember it, and I still have a lot of learnings from that. And I, you know, and even in business today, there's many things that occur that, um, you know, that are disappointing, that don't turn out the way you want it to, but you move on, you know, and uh, those have been my guiding principles. And then my next question from our students is, what is the most important, what are the most important things to being a good leader? Well, you know, I think first and foremost, it's about, you know, honesty and trust. It, it goes back to integrity, okay? And if you don't, you know, people only follow people who have integrity. You know, I mean, uh, I'm not going to make, give any names of past presidents of the United States, but, you know, there have been good leaders, but if they can't be trusted, people aren't going to follow you, you know, and it doesn't matter how good you, you could be in anything. If people can't trust you, you're not going to be a good leader. And, and, and so what that means is integrity. It means consistency. It says that if you say you're going to do something, you do it. Or if you can't, you apologize for not being able to do it. And, and, you know, that's the level of consistency that people look for. And that is the beginning of becoming a good leader. That's great. And then um, I see we have a question in Japanese. So at this time, I'm going to pass it uh, back to Azusa to ask that question in Japanese. If you could switch to the Japanese language channel, it'd be awesome. Um, I understand that you um, were um, so often at the verge of um, making decisions. And um, did, is there any words that kind of like a tap on your shoulder um, to make a decision, like make an, an important decision? Oh, yes. Well, in the, the business um, environment, um, we are not sure if it's going to be successful, even if I make a decision, um, if it, whether it's going to be uh, successful or not. So we make a decision and then you have to evaluate we have to just make an assessment of this um and then sometimes you have to give up on something and to just move on or just change the um make decisions that you made already but you need to um to anticipate what's happening in the next and then just be sincere to your own self and and sometimes your decision is you know it has to you have to cancel your own decision and move into the next or and then do, do it all over. I still, we still do, I still do this. And yeah, I, I, um, I face challenges all the time too. Okay, I'm gonna pass it on to Buddy. Alrighty. Um, Mr. Yumini, our next question from students is, Oh. I'm sorry, I'm switching over between Japanese and English. I get confused sometimes. <laughs> Apologize. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, just for the next question from the students is, 
besides passion, what skills required when taking action to create something new in the world? You know, it, it, it takes a lot of courage too, you know, and, you know, many times when, uh, like right now with my bank, I am uh, renovating my building. It, it cost me $40 million, right? And when I went to my board to ask for the $40 million, everyone's looking at me like, why do you want to do this? You know, what's, what's the return going to be, you know? And, and, it, and it wasn't, it was more than that. You know, it was about changing the culture of the bank. Uh, it was about creating that visibility within the Hawaii community. Uh, it was about the beginning of a new, you know, generation of new bankers that we hope to produce. There, there was a lot of thought in it for me. And, and yet, you know, there's probably a hundred reasons why it could fail. You know, that, that 10 years from now, someone could say, why did he spend $40 million on renovating the building, right? Um, but it was my belief and it is my strategy and it was my plan. Naturally, I talked to a lot of my, you know, fellow executives and got consensus. But at the end of the day, I had to make that call, you know, and, uh, and it takes courage, you know, and sometimes you have to sit back and say, okay, so I'm going to do this. If it doesn't work, this is what can happen, right? And what I do is I times it by two. <laughs> I double it. And if I can live with that, I run with it. So you could be, you know, you could be extremely smart, come up with the greatest strategies and plans, but when it comes to execution, you know, um, it has to be will, but it all, you need courage for that because you got to face the possibility of failure. You know, nobody likes to fail, but that happens in life. Right? Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then just the next question from the students is, how do you overcome the huge pressure to take on responsibilities? Yeah. So, you know, once again, you know, as I just touched on, um, I, I, think, I think these things through a lot. You know, when, when I have a, a, a challenge or a project in front of me that I'm about to take or a new job, you know, I've, I've switched several jobs as you can see too. And every, every time before I do that, I, I really try to think hard about what, what could be the consequences, you know? And, and, uh, and like I just told you earlier, I multiply it by two. <laughs> and I go, can I live with that, right? And, you know, most of the time I can't, you know, because again, um, you know, buddy, the thing is that, you know, being successful in business or a failure in business does not mean you're a failure in life. Right. And at the end of the day, when I'm 90 years old and I'm in my deathbed, I'm not going to be thinking I should have gone to work the next day. I'm going to be reflecting on my life. What was my life about? Do I have regrets? Did I do everything I wanted to do? Did I take care of my family? Am I close to my, these are the things that matter in life. Right. So I like to um, keep that in mind, make sure that I take calculated risks that I could live with the consequences and I challenge life because I only have one life to live, right? Mm -hmm. For sure, only one life. Um, <laughs> I guess this next question- It has question, to be calculated. <laughs> yes, actually, make sure, at least in your mind that it's a smart decision and worth it. Exactly, yeah. And the next question from the students is, I guess more focused on um, an emotional quality did you get more confident as you became more experienced in your line as well, in your line of work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think today about the things that used to stress me out when I was in my twenties, you know, I mean, it's night and day, right? I mean, your capacity to handle stress and, you know, the worries and things, I mean, it just, you know, uh, your capacity just escalates. And, uh, you know, and probably for many of you, uh, I mean, think back a month ago, there must have been something that really bothered you a month ago. Do you even remember it? You know, and if you worked it out a month ago, you're probably much better at it already. Right. And that's been how my life has been. 
every experience, every challenge, every company I've been, I've learned things and I get stronger and I get wiser, you know, uh, old, old people get wiser. <laughs> you know, we learn a lot through experience and uh, our capacity to handle responsibilities and stress really heightens, you know. So it's really wonderful sometimes to see my uh, three children and to see what bothers them because I can relate to it completely. And uh, I know, you know, I think I know what to say or what not to say, um, you know, because they're going through the same path that I did, right? So. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much. And I think we're going to um, have another question in Japanese. So for that, I'll pass it off to Azusa. Mm. Okay, um, the Japanese question, um, as a high schooler, and then uh, what can I do to increase my decision-making skills? Well, at, uh, in high school, okay. Uh, when I was in high school, um, I wanted to become a professional baseball player and I had passion, interest, uh, motivation, and I had 100% of everything. But um, I just had to just do it, execute it. I, ha I just had to do it. Mm, well, I think that's what it is. You know, eventually you would have to, I, I don't know what to say. Mm, Sometimes my my Japanese is not coming out so um, fluently on this, but well, you um, you have to just follow your passion about things that you're interested in, and then just you know just embrace it, and then just keep rolling. And then um, on that, I think your decision making skills will be coming out. So um, just don't listen to people who are pressuring you, but ask yourself, what's the most important for yourself? And what, you, what kind of passion you have for what? And, and I think that's, the how, that's where to start. And then eventually, naturally, I think the decision-making skills will be growing in you. Um, I'm just speaking from my own experience. There's another uh, question. Um, if you um, if you um, if you fail when you are facing the challenge, and do you need to just drastically change uh, what you do, or maybe just modify it and then try again? Mm. That's another, well, before you drastically completely change the whole thing, I think you need to analyze why you didn't, it didn't work out. It, why didn't, you know, it work, do well. And then maybe you can learn a lot of things from that, from the mistake. And um, then you can come up with a lot of different plans or maybe you can just have a little um, bit of a, a debrief for your own self in you. And you can start changing things, modifying things or you can't even change it. You can just ask yourself and then just be really serious about it and what you can do next time or in the future. And then um, if you don't have a solution or if you cannot, you know, cannot think of anything else to modify, then, then uh, there'll be an option to, ch uh, to change it completely. Okay. Um, I think the Japanese questions are harder. Okay, back to you, buddy. <laughs> All righty, thanks so much. Um, and then just for time's sake, this will be our last question. Um, and it'll be, what can high school students do for the future? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I've already touched on this already. Um, I, 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 and I'm not trying to flatter you. I think what you're doing right now is fantastic. You know, and, and uh, you know, I, I uh, head the uh, U.S.-Japan Council right now, and this is the U.S.-Japan Council was created by Senator Daniel Inoue, 
And the mission of the council is to foster uh, better relations between the US and Japan. And, uh, uh, and, and the reason for that is not just because there's a big Japanese American community in the United States, but it is because if the, these two countries work together, um, it would be good not just for the two countries, but for the world. You know, um, you know the US's strength in technology and financial services and Japan's strength, especially around customer service and infrastructure, you know, infrastructure by rail or water, roadways, you know, all these things. The, the combination of these powers um, would just do wonders for the world, you know. And, uh, and I think some of these opportunities that you have today on Zoom calls with people all over from Japan, yourselves here in Hawaii and California, using interpreters right now, um, you know, this creates a better understanding and bond between the young people of two of the most important countries, you know, in the world, right? So I, I totally encourage you to continue this. And, uh, and maybe even after these Zoom conferences that all of you through social media uh, or other channels, uh, you know, continue more informal dialogue, get to know each other, people to people connections, you know, and, uh, and as I told you, when I was 21, starting at uh, KPMG and meeting these Japanese businessmen in Los Angeles, you just never know, you know, how these relationships will, you know, come back and benefit you down the road as well. So, so that, that would be, those would be my final thoughts. And, uh, I'd like to, you know, thank all of you for giving me this opportunity today. Um, I'm actually much better at answering banking questions these days. <laughs> this was a, a very good exercise for me as well. So, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say, just to close, thank you so much again, Mr. Yumine, um, for really just taking the time to come on BSC and share your experience, your wisdom, and your thoughts with uh, students here in Hawaii and in Japan. And I really appreciate what you've been able to share with us here today. I'm sure that the students that will be able to view the recordings later on and who'll be able to really greatly benefit from what you were able to, uh, to share with us here today. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And then, um, yeah, just have a nice rest of your night. Okay. Great. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.